And welcome back, internet, to another episode of the Marvel Universe Discussions, otherwise known as the Mud Pod, brought to you by the Villains Man, where we cover everything to Marvel from the comics, the games, and the MCU. I'm your host, JVD, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Hawk the Horrible. We got a big episode today. Large and in charge, that's how we like it. Yeah, that's very, very true. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can do so over on Twitter at MU Discussions or just follow and search out The Villains Demand wherever you are on social media. Oh, uh, man. You want to start comic book news or MCU news? We got quite a bit on both ends. Let's go MCU first. We'll save okay, the comic yeah, stuff for the there's, a, there's some exciting stuff there. It's, it's not like a pay-per-view. You got to start off hot, simmer down, and then get to the big, then get to the, you know, the main event. It's like that classic event. Todd McFarlane Spider-Man issues, you know, how he'd yeah. start off, he'd have some fun, fun panels, then he'd throw in a really big slow spot, that way when you open that next page, it's that big full Spider-Man spread, and it's just pops. And apparently there's a spider hidden like every issue, like on every page or some crazy crap, I don't know, who knows? Now, is McFarlane. this like the Amazing Spider-Man or the Spider-Man... Uh, title they gave it's, him I think it's do. a Spider-Man series that he did. I'm going to have to go back and read that. Good luck, because it, it, if there's a spider in every panel or every page or every issue that's hidden, uh, sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's really hard. But let's go ahead and talk about all the breaking MC news, MCU news, from the past week. So... The big one, the one I am exciting for, and I know you're excited for, is the rumor is Shasha Barra Cohen might be playing Mephisto in Disney's Ironheart, coming to the Disney Plus in the fall of 2023. I think this is a phenomenal casting if the rumors are true. Man, I, I'm excited, but I'm worried because... I've seen him do a really serious role and he can play the role. Yeah. But then I also have like Borat in the back of my brain. <laughs> I'm thinking Ali G. Yeah, that too. Or no. um, I can't think of his name from uh, Talladega Nights where he played the Frenchman. The only thing I like about Talladega Nights, you're right. Yeah. Um, he, Here's what I like. He can be very whimsical. And, you know, Mephisto has that bit to him that's like that. You know what I mean? He does. He has that little bit of whimsical to him. Uh, you can see that as like in Jason Aaron's run yes. of Avengers. So I think this could be really, really good. It's just what level he takes it to. And I'm a little worried because Marvel is kind of has a tendency to play into the lighthearted stuff and they might make him too lighthearted. See, I don't think that, man, because recently, well, because we're talking, you know, She-Hulk today, there's been a lot, you know, content and uh, She-Hulk compared to a lot of the Disney stuff. And, you know, you look at Moon Knight, I, I can't see them toning the character down. What I do like about it is, you know, we were just talking about, you know, all these characters he's played and Mephisto shows up as a lot of different forms. So, I mean, that, that range can be used there. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to see him, like, the whole red, like, all of it just Yeah, red all of it, just blood red. 
Yeah, yeah. I want to see really how they do that. Um, well, this uh, this league was brought to you by My Time to Shine Hello, and uh, he further went on to say that Mephisto will be responsible for giving the Red Hood, aka Parker Robbins, who's the villain of uh, Ironheart, his powers. That I do not like because we already have an established um, Darmamu, and he is the one responsible for the hood of Parker Robbins that gives him his powers. And uh, that was really built up really well during the Michael Bendis era of Marvel with the hood and his powers from the cloak. And see, why use Mephisto when you already have this character established? So I'm with you on that. I don't like when they change comic lore for the TV show and the movies. But I think it's just their way of just bringing Mephisto in, you know, because let's face it, they had the whole WandaVision to do it, but they chose not to with all the Easter eggs and little finger points and wink, wink, nod, nods, and they didn't do it. You know, they just kept egging on fans. And so now it's like, oh, we're just going to do a little swap here. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy we're getting Mephisto and I'm excited for it. But I want you to stay true to the lore. Well, well, uh, well, I don't care about being so much faithful to the lore. I like change, and uh, we'll say that for another episode, because me and you had some difference in opinions on some stuff coming up in the MCU. But my thing is, why change it when you have Darmamu established in Doctor Strange, which we know that that hood that Parker wears wants Doctor Strange. So why make it Mephisto? That's my thing. I mean, you know, that that's already there. I, I, I see no need for the change. But, I mean, if you want to establish Mephisto, that's fine with me. As long as it's demon-based, that's fine. Yeah, I agree. So, and, and here's what I like about this. Uh, really, if you think about it, since Secret Wars 2015 by Hickman, uh, Mephisto's involvement in Marvel has been pretty big. He's dealt with the champions, which leads us to Miles Morales. He's dealt with him. Which also leads us to Peter Parker. He's dealt with Peter Parker. He's dealt with the Avengers. You just brought up Jason's Aaron's run. Uh, he's been involved with Falcon and Blade. He's been involved with Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider. Uh, you're talking about Ironheart. Uh, he was also involved with the infamous Iron Man run with Doctor Doom and the Thing. And then uh, he made a brief appearance in that Doom series uh, not too long after that. So, I mean, he's really been uh involved in marvel a lot more than what he probably ever has in the last seven eight years oh yeah that's uh definitely agree i think fans have kind of been wondering why they haven't brought him in sooner yeah well i I, honestly i think this is something everybody wanted and now they're making it happen because they say china doesn't like demons and devils in their movies and they say that marvel wasn't doing any of that because china's such a big market but there's been so much pushback from China because of all the uh, LTBGQ. I hate saying that because I can never get the letter right in order. And they said there was a lot. Apparently, there's been a lot of pushback for that. And Marvel and Disney's like, nah, screw you guys. We're going to do that because they should. And so I'm maybe this is where they're like, OK, if they're going to be like that, let's go ahead and do Mephisto. Everybody wants it. Well, also, I mean, in that same breath. Go back to the Black Widow movie. They had to completely redesign Taskmaster. That's very true. 
because they're like strictly no skull, no spooky stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that same area. And you see like a brief, small brief outline of like a skull tracing on the mask and like the bottom part of it. So that could be part of it as well. And if now they're kind of like, no, no, we're going to do what we want because let's face it, the fans have been clamoring for this character, not to mention there have been other YouTubers who have done numerous videos on that's Mephisto, that's Mephisto. And they've all been wrong Unless mm-hmm. they just go back and say that he's been there the whole time pulling strings and they just they want to retcon it. Well, that's possible. They did it with everything. Look at Peter Parker and Iron Man 2. I don't agree with that. I like it. So, anyways, let's move on. Uh, shout out to Ken from the ODPH from the tag for this. Go check out their podcast and uh, also go check out the wrestling show over on Three Fat Nerds. Uh, Harrison Ford is set to replace William Hurt as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross for Captain America New World Order, and I'm going to assume Thunderbolts. What are your thoughts on the recasting of William Hurt? You know, I'd really like to make that classic Han Solo. I got a bad feeling about this. I don't. I love it. Oh, see, I do have a bad feeling about it. So, with Harrison Ford, he has that old surly attitude, which will work really well with Thunderbolt Ross. I just, it's hard, you know, when you have someone who's been that character for so long with William Hurt being Thunderbolt Ross, and now we have a new actor, it's kind of hard for me to, like, make that justification in the switch. I'm excited for it. I I don't think it'll be a long-term thing. I think it maybe you might see a couple movies out of it, maybe a big team up if it's needed. I just really want to see how they're going to do him turning into Red Hulk. That's my big question. See, my thing is, why can't we just cast an actor to voice Hulk and not have Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross around. That's my thing. I don't know why we need to do that. And, and, and okay, and I'm probably going to catch some shit for this, and that's fine. But here's my thing Harrison Ford is an old man. We yep. don't know how much longer we have with Harrison Ford on this earth. We know that uh, during a lot of the Star Wars stuff, um, we know he was having health problems. And sure, he's probably in better health now. I mean, hell, he just did Indiana Jones. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I worry about. Like, will he make it to that point? And I know, and and, and I hate even saying that, thinking about it, because if you love Star Wars, which we do, you love Harrison Ford. You love Han Solo. And I just wish they would have just let William Hurt, because to me, William Hurt and the MCU is almost like the J. Jonah Jameson before he got there. He was a Ford in everybody's side. He hated on all the heroes. And when he was on screen, he let you know about it. Yeah. And and I and I wish they would. And I mean, he even looks like J. Jonah Jameson. You know, the little Hitler mustache and the really tight cut hair. And I just hate that they're replacing because William Hurt did such a fantastic job. You know, I think you're exactly right. And honestly, with you, the voice acting, 
That's, that's really your, all you need. That's your perfect way to bring in Clancy Brown, who played him in the Thank cartoon. You. Thank you, yes. Because uh, everyone likes a Kurgan. Yes, and Mr. Krabs. Yes, Mr. Krabs, that's right. Okay, moving on to our next one. Uh, apparently, it's being reported that Tom Ellis of Lucifer fame is being eyed to play Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four film, which recently got pushed back along with Blade and Deadpool. What are your thoughts? I have not heard this yet. This one is, uh, yeah, this is a, wow, I don't, yeah, I haven't heard this yet. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely love him in the show Lucifer. I think it's fantastic. Uh, him playing Reed Richards. Man, I don't know. What about Dr. Doom? So, like, he has that sense of arrogance to him. Like, he yes. plays that really well in Lucifer. And I think that would transfer over really well to Doom. So but that's what I like. That's what I think you should do. I uh, I don't. I question the accent because how you use the accent of Doom, and I guess I, I don't know. You have to really nail that voice. Yeah, because you're not going to see a lot of the facial features for expression. You see the mask and like a body expression. So. You really have to nail the voice. And through some parts of Lucifer where, you know, he gets loud, you can see it. But it's one of those, I think they really just have to nail that arrogance. Now, I will catch shit for this, and I will die on this hill. I really enjoyed Julian McMahon as Doom in the original movie. I did because. Too. He had the arrogance to him. He had that. I don't need you. I could do the this charisma. on my own. Yes. And he had that same level of charisma when he played in Charmed. You know, maybe not as intense through some of the scenes, but he could carry it well. And that movie I thought was casted well. It just had shit writing. Now, now here we just referenced two guys who played demons. When they could have played Mephisto. You know, you know honestly. Who's tied to Doctor Doom. Oh, yeah. Also, extremely tied. They have an internal vendetta. Being that Mephisto. More or less owned his mother's soul. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to put my money on it now. I bet Doom shows up in Ironheart. If Mephisto is actually in it. I think so, too. And honestly. I'm just going to throw this out there. I think Tom Ellis would be perfect as Lucifer. Or not Lucifer. So. Shit. Mephesto. Yeah. So, All right. Our last bit of MCU news we're going to talk about today um, is the rumor is Disney is planning to get back Robert Downey Jr. to place Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Is he a variant? Do we really need this? I think what this is, is this is Marvel trying to pull back all the old school fans from like the phase one days, because now the majority of all the actors from phase one have phased out. You know, there's only a couple left and 
with him trying to like with Kevin Feige trying to bring more energy and try to fix phase four. Now he's trying to look ahead and depending on how they do it, I think it could be done extremely well. I just, I'm curious how they do it, but also I, I still want the, uh, the endo suit. Oh, the, uh, symbiotic suit. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Man, I, if he's come back as a variant for one more ride, I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't mind seeing a whole variant team of Avengers from the classic Avengers of the MCU. Yeah, I I would really enjoy that, I think. So if they did that, would you want to see original actors come back? Or would Yes, you... yeah. I, I want I want I want Robert, I want Chris, you know, bring me back um I'm going blank. Yes, bring me everybody. I mean, because you already got Banner and uh, Hawkeye are still around. Yeah, bring me back everybody. Yeah, and Thor. That's very true. Yeah, just bring me back everybody, and let them play a different version of themselves. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. And so there's these other, I guess you could say, like variant versions of the heroes. I guess almost like when the role is passed on, I want to see some of those characters come out. Like, for instance, I really want to see Beta Ray Bill, and I cannot believe we haven't got him yet. Yeah, I think that's coming, though. Give it time. I think Beta Ray Bill is a good character to bring in once um, Chris Hemworth settles out of the Thor role. Because you can plug in Beta Ray Bill and still yeah. have that character. Or if you find some way to weasel in Thunderstrike. Oh, God, let's not talk about that. I apologize <laughs> if you hear my little boy in the background. He is being a madman today. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some comic book news that we want to talk about. Uh, we know we're getting uh, some Blade books coming our way. Uh, we're getting Bloodline, Daughter of Blade. If you don't want to buy that, you're going to miss out. Because that book will probably be hot and worth a penny because every... First appearance is worth some money these days when it first comes out. And we're getting Blade Vampire Nation. Uh, Are you excited that we're finally getting some Blade books going on? I am. Blade, uh, I absolutely loved him and Jason Aaron's run of the Avengers. I I thought he was a lot of fun. Him and Boy Uh, Thing? Yeah, so much fun. So much fun. And, you know, he's on that darker side of Marvel. That so desperately deserves to be in the forefront, especially with coming with the MCU. We need more books like that because, don't get me wrong, I enjoy, you know, your Captain America, your Iron Man, your your baseline Avengers books. But the mystical side, the darker side, it's always so much better because they know they can play into that slightly darker storyline to do the things that the normal Avengers won't do. All right. Speaking of dark, let's segue into the last one. We're going to talk about deadly neighborhood Spider-Man. This looks wild. So I could not help, but just see how that looked similar wise. It made me think of the superior Spider-Man. So, well, it kind of reminds me of a little of the recent, more recent Savage Spider-Man. 
it looks really cool. Uh, here's what I was thinking. I just posted this uh, 26 minutes ago from the time we're recording, and I just got an answer on it. So I was like, the music makes me think the story. The story might be where Miles finally takes over for Peter Parker as Spider-Man, and it looks like maybe he's becoming Man Spider because we see his hands clawing. We're seeing the electric, you know, the bioelectricity. It seems like coming off Spider-Man. That's a very Miles thing that I could see happening as he gets older. And then right before we were talking about this, when we talked about Blade, uh, Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas, who uh, helped write, write this book, answered me. He said, well, you never know, LOL. Maybe in the future that can happen, LOL. Anything is possible in the Spider multiverse. Just not in this story, but thanks. So that ruined a little insight for me to maybe not buying this book, which I'm going to buy. I can't help it. I, I love Spider-Man. This looks great. It looks really dark. Just the trailer for it looks very trippy. Oh, the trailer for it was awesome. I'm happy to see we're getting away from, like, traditional Amazing Spider-Man. You know, they're able to be more loose with it, kind of do something different. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what they do and where this goes and, like, what new characters or new versions of characters we get for this story. Well, I'm thinking this might this is probably like a, you know, an offshoot. This is probably an alternate world. Oh, I I would pretty much assume that, but you know, if they're doing these different versions of like how Spider-Man is, you know, if he's like a darker character, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see what they do with the villains and like well, the new designs or dark, I guess, or how darker they are. Yeah, well, the synopsis is a revolutionary dark take on Spider-Man begins here. What is the reality and what is a dream? What is science and what is magic? At the intersection of all this stands the deadly neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, I didn't, I'm looking at it now. I didn't realize that it says Peter Parker. So, yeah, there goes that. Goes to Los Angeles and what he finds there were definitely not angels. The demons waiting for Peter are going to test him like before. One demon in particular, very famous one for Marvel fans in particular, might just eat Spider-Man life. Is this where Spider-Man was meeting the demon bear that they were talking about earlier this year? You That's know, what this is. I really think I remember seeing the demon bear in the trailer. It, yeah, it was. But be in. Yeah, this has to be that because I remember them talking about this. I remember seeing artwork for it because they were hopping that up like Spider-Man versus the demon bear. So, yeah, now I'm super excited for this because that looked awesome when they were teasing that like earlier this year. So I'm pretty excited. You know, this could be a nice little segue to like tie in the new mutants to it. I was just about to say, man, if the new mutants don't show up in this, at least like Moonstar and Magic, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, I would too, because this is like the perfect tie in for it. Yeah, yeah, this is a yeah, this would be perfect. Cool. So uh, with that, that's how we're going to wrap up our news. And we're going to take us a little break, play podcast and promo for some friends. When we get back, we're going to dive into what we think about and discuss some certain topics revolving around She-Hulk Season 1 on Disney+. Plus. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parley of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. 
Don't forget to check out OchoDuroPowerHour.com where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And we're back here on Marvel Universe Discussions, brought to you by the Villains Man, also known as the Mud Pod, myself, JVD, and Hawk the Horrible. We're going to talk about She-Hulk Season 1 over on Disney+. Plus. That's what Hulks do. We smash things. Bruce smashes buildings. I smash fourth walls and bad endings. And sometimes bad murder. The credits for this, uh, for directors, goes to Kate Kuro. I apologize if I messed up your name. Uh, she directed episodes one through four and eight and nine. And Anu Balea, episodes five through seven. I hate pronouncing people's names. I feel like crap when I get them wrong. Um, and it was created for television by Jessica Gao. The Marvel Comics credits for creating She-Hulk go to Stan the Man Lee and a one very famous Mr. Bushima. Um, we've got some new characters to the show. We've got Jen Walters, or She-Hulk, played by Tatiana Maslany. I hate names. Nikki, played by Ginger Gonzaga. Titania by Jamil. Jamilia Jamil. Ugh. Pug by Josh. Sagara, Madison King, I'm only throwing her in there because everybody loved her, by Patty Guggenheim, and Todd slash the Hulk King by John Bass. Uh, who was your favorite character to come out of this show, Hawk? Uh, I really liked Pug. I thought Pug was a lot of fun uh, because you don't really know how he's going to play out. He was really funny. And then him going on about his shoe collection. And yeah. there was a lot of the Easter, Easter eggs, eggs in that sh- lot in that shoe collection. Yeah, they, that was that was really cool. It really I makes me question us. because like, oh, he's got a shoe collection. I'm like, wait a minute. There's a lot of heroes in there who have not been introduced yet. Hold the phone. Oh, here. yeah. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, Man, I really love what they did with Titania. I love the whole, um, you know, she's a influencer. I love that. Uh, I do have a question regarding her, and my thing is, where did she get her powers from? I mean, this uh, could be another way to bring in Doom. Uh, I'm thinking it's all tied to the uh, the Super Soldier serum we were seeing in uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. That would make a ton of sense. Yeah, I think it, it could really work. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I really hope they do more with that uh, because I really enjoyed that se- uh, series. And I just kind of want to see m- more of them doing the serious side of Marvel, like a little less campy. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people, that's what they, a lot of people aren't big for most of uh, Phase 4 here. Is the, like I mentioned that the last time. The Marvel's not been so serious about a lot of their stuff. Um, returning characters are Bruce Banner, the Hulk, played by Mark Ruffalo, Emil uh, Blonsky, as also as the Abomination, played by Tim Roth. We have Matt Murdock making his debut as Daredevil, played by Charlie Cox, and we have Wong, played by Benedict Wong, the Sorcerer Supreme. Um. 
obviously you were as excited as everybody else was for Daredevil, but what did you think about what they did with Daredevil? I'm not going to lie. At first, I wasn't super happy with the suit, but like the more I kind of like looked at it, the more I was okay with it. Um, I was never all that big with like the classic OG Daredevil suit with the red and yellow. I kind of liked I don't it think, more. I don't think many people are. I was much happier with the original first suit from the Netflix series, the all black. I thought that was so much fun. Definitely more. Oh, like Miller suit. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I would like to see them work into the red suit. And I really enjoyed Daredevil. Daredevil was a lot of fun. He really play. He had that. More charisma going than he did in the Netflix series. He seemed a little less serious, but they really played with his acrobatics. And you could just... You got a hallway scene. Yeah, you got a hallway scene. Not what we wanted, but it was still a hallway scene. Yes. It was She-Hulk's hallway scene. Yeah, pretty much. See, I really like what they did with Daredevil because it... it, it I think that this is a season four we're going to get out of um, uh, Born Again. But it's almost like, in a sense, how uh, Serenity and Firefly are sequels, but they're not under the same title. Right. You know what I mean? And I really like what they do. And we don't know what what he's been through that's maybe lighted him up as a character. I think we're going to get the red suit back. And I think that they they kind of left that in there because She-Hulk mentioned the colorblind thing to him. Because he doesn't yeah. know what really its colors it is. So I thought that was a neat way to kind of get that in there if you want to go back to the red suit. And I, and I really loved him. I love that they were hooking up. And I love that it seems like it's going to be more of a thing. Yeah. the uh, And like the She-Hulk uh, fourth wall breaks with Smashing and Matt Murdock. I laughed hysterically at because I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah, I love that too. Uh, what did you think what they did with... Uh, abomination now that we've got him back he's he is one character that's been a done a complete 180 on this show i'm not exactly for the whole zen thing he has because the abomination now they fixed him and he looks better he looks a lot better than he did from that original movie back in 2008 but I don't like the whole, I guess, reformed thing they have they have going for him. I'm not really okay with it, but I enjoyed seeing him like in the show, and it was ha- I was very happy to see Tim Roth come back. He's Tim Roth has been one of my favorite actors. I actually like that what they did with Emil Blonsky uh, because you know he went from bloodthirsty soldier realize uh what had happened to him and, and you know we don't know if he got blipped or not that might have actually been what changed part of him too i mean that that could play a whole big role in everything um and i really wish they would uh de- dig a little deeper with the blip thing because it seemed like it just showed up and then it was and it was over with no one ever mentioned again it seems like a perfect uh series to kind of bring some of that up and then, um, you know, the reforming villain thing, which we actually see in this show. So I really enjoyed what they did with the character. Now, I do have a couple questions about the character. 
did he know that the whole group at his um his retreat was actually intelligentsia at the end of the show? It didn't seem like it. It seemed like he was kind of clueless to all of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, because it was kind of an awkward thing. Like, was John going to take the serve and then, like, try to fight the abomination? And they were going to, like, live stream it or whatever? I don't... Because it was really weird. Like, you figured he would know something like that. I don't... It didn't really seem like the whole him doing it there was planned it seemed like it was spur of the moment oh she's here now oh all right now i got a one-upper and i don't know like i think i know i'm pretty sure we'll get into the uh ending later because there's a i have a couple gripes about how that ending played out okay yeah we are going to get into that here later on um and the other question is so he we know he was taken by wong who he has a relationship with at the end, so uh, chances that Abomination becomes the new Sorcerer Supreme? I hope not. I mean, I think it'd be funny to see him, like, in, like, the, like, the uniform, I guess, of, like, a student at the Kamartage. I think it'd be funny to see him wearing that, especially as, like, Abomination, to see him have something that big, but I really don't want to see him do the whole magic thing, though. Yeah, me, me either. Uh, I, I think it, it, it's that it's too much of a drastic change for the character. I mean, I like Bloodthirsty Killer to someone who's completely in Zen, but then throwing him in, it, it almost feels like they're making him this hodgepodge character. Like, he's everything all at once. Yeah, I it's, think... It makes him really muddled. Yeah, it's definitely feeling kind of muddled. I'd, I really hope they'd put him in Thunderbolts, but I don't think we're going to get that. I could see that. I, I think when you look at that image for Thunderbolts of the lineup, it's meant to have two larger characters behind those behind the team. Yeah. I, There's a lot of empty space up there. But with how it ended, you know, in the after credit scene, I'm just not sure how we're going to get to that point. Yeah, that that's a good question because like where do you bring all that up in? Um so uh I, I just want to bring up some notes here about the show. Uh obviously we know the Sokovia Accords have ended. If you if no one noticed, that probably ended after Thanos showed up. Yeah, I that was probably my thought too, is that after the the blip or the snap, they probably that probably got abolished i guess the word yes. i use for it repealed yeah repealed yeah uh, i mean I, I mean we if not we would have found out probably during falcon winter soldier yeah they don't there's they all these doing. things they don't necessarily like clarify on all these like small details i think if they would take a little little extra time to you know i guess cross some of those t's dot some of those i's so we as fans know I think we could enjoy it more. That way we have more like a, a baseline to speculate on things. Mm. Um, so, uh, and, and here's the thing. I think that's just one of the things you should actually read into. Like it shouldn't be said, unlike the blip thing, like what happened to people during a blip. That's something that's important. 
I think you can just tell by watching something that the Sokovia Accords have been repealed. I don't think that's something that needed to be said. But they they picked a perfect show to and a perfect point in the show on top of that to bring that up. Yeah, so. I and I think that whole scene, I guess, courtroom scene, I thought it played out really, really well, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on this. I've not seen a lot of people bring this up, but this seems the, the series seems to be set before Thor returns to New Asgard from space in Thor: Love and Thunder, because at the end, the last episode, the intelligentsia are literally complaining about Mighty Thor and being a female. So if she's still being Mighty Thor, this show has to take around, take place around that time. Yeah, I would say it really seemed like it. Uh, this has nothing to do with She-Hulk, but I really wish we would have got more of Mighty Thor. Right. Wasted. Op- There's a lot of wasted opportunity in Thor and Love and Thunder because that movie is terrible. Um, story-wise, terrible. Entertaining, yes. Terrible story. Yeah. Let's not get into that. So, oh, but let's talk about Divided here. Uh, this show really seemed to defy the uh, Marvel fandom as a whole. Um. A lot of people didn't like some of the things She-Hulk was doing, like the twerking with Megan Thee Stallion, which I thought was hilarious. Um, how do you feel about the show? I mean, what side of the fence were you on? This wasn't very She-Hulk, or did you think this was a pretty good uh, modern represent- representation of She-Hulk? So, I'm not a, a She-Hulk fan. Like I remember as a kid, I had the that first issue where it says all right now hand over your comics like i don't know where i got it from but i remember having it and it sat in my closet for years until i don't know what happened to it but i've never i've never really read she hulk until honestly until we uh took the time to cover those issues that was my first time reading she hulk now as a fan of like the marvel universe I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. There was a lot of comedy in it. It was definitely different compared to the normal Marvel formula. They did things. It needed to be, yes. Uh, But also at the same point, they still played into some of those tropes because you don't know who the villain is until it happens. And then you realize, oh, yeah, there were some pieces that were kind of being like slowly like put together. You'd have never really caught on on kind of like Jonathan Hickman style where these just small little details that come out. And then when the big pictures revealed, you can see how things were put together. Exactly. So I don't know. Like there are parts of it I enjoyed and there were some parts where I wasn't really fond of. See, I'm going to put it like this. If Deadpool did everything in the MCU that She-Hulk did, no one would complain. Yeah, I, it's an entirely different fan base. I, I mean, if he was twerking with Megan the Stallion, people would not complain. They'd laugh about it. They would be like, oh, that's Deadpool. Yeah, that is, that's a Deadpool thing. Yeah, but, but she, I mean, I could also see where She-Hulk would be a character that would do it too, because... Like, that John Bryan run, a lot of the things they make She-Hulk do in the comics because, you know, she has that relationship with, you know, the creative team. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me, and I I thought it was perfect for the character. But like I said, anything that anybody bitches about that She-Hulk done, 
If Deadpool did that in a Deadpool show, no one would complain about it at all. I thought her fourth wall breaks were just very well done, and they were spot on. They were they were were funny. They were well done. It was enjoyable. I honestly think one of my biggest gripes about the show, I wanted more action. I wanted more She Hulk smash. You know, more fighting. Because she's a Hulk. uh, I was I was fine about not having a lot of that. I like that it was more about her life instead of her being a superhero, because I think you you build that up in this season and then you do that in the next season. Okay, I can see how I can see how that would work. So um, speaking of fighting, we got a lot of basically cheap villains for the show with the Wrecking Crew, Donnie Blaze, Leapfrog, Porcupine, uh, Manbull, El Aguila. And the intelligentsia, not the intelligentsia we all thought we were going to get. What do you think of all the cheap villains we got? Did you have a particular favorite? Do you hate the way they did one of them? So, um, I really felt that I I really loved Leapfrog. I thought his little one-liners were hilarious. And, like, the overall douchiness of his character made it funny. My problem is, you know, you have some of these other characters that were, they're not A-list characters, but they're up there and they're synonymous with other heroes like Intelligentsia and the Wrecking Crew, I think were wasted. Like this kind of goes back to Iron Man 3, the Mandarin. And it was like, Intelligentsia is a really big thing. Very synonymous with the leader who is a major Hulk villain. And it turned out that it was made by some rich douchebag. It's like it, it kind of ruined it. It was they, they were the um, the equivalent of Comics Gate, pretty much. When you think about it, you know, people yeah. hating on comics for diversity, uh, the way like. They're pushing female and gay characters. That's kind of what they do with the intelligentsia. They, and they just focused on the Hulk. Yeah, you're, that is a very uh, spot on uh, cover or as in like representation of it. That is entirely mm-hmm. what it was as in, I guess, female, like hating on female superheroes. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's a lot of comics gate is what you get there. And if someone listens to comics gate and wants to get mad at us, hey, yeah, fuck you, I don't care. Um, But yeah, I really like what they did a lot of villains. But like you said, intelligence, yeah, I think that was wasted to a degree. But I still like the way, the, the way they've done it. Because really, it's that part of the fan base that's hating on She-Hulk. And she got to face them head on. I really like that. Especially with that last episode, the way everything was done. I really liked um, it at first, like how they show it, like they show it and it, it's really playing out really well. And then it, then when you find out who like, who's behind it, it's just, it, it, it's like you have this perfect shot to, to show like, to show the leader or something like that. And it, it it's Todd. Well, uh, he, here's the thing though. I hate that, but where was Josh at? The guy who banged She-Hulk and took her DNA. Yeah, 
Uh, I mean, that that where's he at? He could be somebody. Yeah, true. Because think about it. He's the one. He obviously we don't to me. Uh, he must be the person in the lab is what I'm going to guess. And they uh, with the ending or the, the swap. They yeah. don't ever really show what happens to that. You know, it's there because it was just there before the they make for Kevin makes the switch. So it's like, I kind of want to see, do they do anything with that later? Or is that yeah. how the leader gets or turns green? So, well, remember the leader started to transform at the end of the Incredible Hulk movie. True. So that's what I think. I think there's more to that character that, and we'll find out later. But yeah, I'm with you. I hate what they do with the Wrecking Crew, but you can always change that, though. Yeah. Because they might know not know how to use their abilities yet. You know what I mean? Because it is Asgardian weaponry. They did mention that. Which I thought was a cool little twist. It wasn't just the Wrecker's crowbar. It was all of them. And I thought that was cool. I did like that. My favorite guy was Donnie Blaze. I thought he was awesome. It it was a lot of fun. And when they initially had like part of that scene was like released early before the series came out. Everyone seen the Ani Blaze and swore up and down, we're getting Johnny Blaze. And we're and just I swear like, someone even said that it said Donnie Blaze later on. Someone's like, no, that says Donnie Blaze. It don't say Johnny Blaze. So and why would, jo- why would you even want? Yeah, I know. And why would you want Johnny Blaze in this series? You know what I mean? To get him in the MCU. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Just a, uh, a cheap plug just to get him in here. So um, let's talk about uh, we, we're doing a lot. We're going back and forth about what we like and don't like as we is there. What was your favorite episode? What was your least favorite episode? Uh, favorite episode? Honestly, uh, Donnie Blaze was probably my. Well, I don't know. Donnie Blaze and Leapfrog. It's in, it's in a it's a close battle between those two. As far as my favorite, and as far as my least favorite. I'd probably say her, I guess, debacle or, like, lawsuit with Titania. Ah, the Mean Green Port in those jeans episode or whatever it was. Um, my actually least favorite was after the first one, those next few episodes got really still. When we were doing the whole um, Emil Blonsky lawsuit thing. That's where I think it got a bit still at to me. Now, I do love the uh, Donnie Blaze. Uh, what is it? Is it? Is this not real magic? I think it's the name of the episode. I think at. so. And I do love the Rip It and Rip It. But actually, my favorite episode is probably one that a lot of people don't like. It's the Just Jen episode about the wedding. The wedding was a lot of fun. Uh, well, it, I didn't like it because it was a lot of fun. I liked it because it shows you actually who Jen Walters is. And that's Be- a part of why I enjoyed it the that's most. That's what I loved it. Because, because she's boring. No one cares character. about her. Yeah, yeah. No one cares about her. She has his, you know, she lives a stale life and no one wants her as She-Hulk. And then as soon as she's She-Hulk, the, the, the episode picks back up. You're not bored. You don't care about it. And then 
she hulk and everybody there cares about her and it just shows you the difference between the characters and that's what i really liked about that episode i did it did a really good job of showing you exactly who she is and no one cares about her because i'm sitting there watching it and i know you've read jason aaron's run avengers we're here talking about it it's just like she hulk and thor thor's like hell yeah big green chick you know smashing me all the time and then when she's jen he's like uh hello and then he loses that flair for her because she's Jen Walters. She's not She-Hulk. And that's the first like thing, with that's the first thing I thought about. With the dating sites. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wanted She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. No one wanted Jen Walters. Exactly. And that's what I loved about that episode. I thought it was great. Um, so uh, we're, so is there anything you, you that you liked about the show that we haven't talked about based on characters or anything like that? So I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, I kind of wish you could see more with her doing the uh, superhero law. Like Mr. Immortal, I thought was hilarious. Oh, my God. That was so that was so funny. I think they wasted an opportunity by not playing into more of the whole superhero warrior. We could have got some of these more smaller little heroes and villains they could have brought in. I kind of wish we would have done more with that. And I really thought it was funny watching She-Hulk walk around in a men's suit through the majority of the, of the season. Yeah, I wish you would have done more of the superhero law thing. I mean, you, you would have figured in nine episodes you would have got more than that. I think, you know, we pretty much, it was just Mr. Immortal with all his wives and, and husband. And I think he had abomination. He, yeah. The abomination, the leapfrog leapfrog and the, uh, one of the dark elves. Well, and, well, you also had Donnie blaze too. Oh yeah. And, and Donnie blaze. So it's actually more of it you Think about it. Yeah. It just true. doesn't seem there was a lot of focus on it and the Titania thing. Yeah. So yeah, Titania I mean, as well, so it yeah. was there when you think about it now, when you discuss it, it was just, man, my little boy is, whoo, he's a banshee right now. Um, there's just, it was just so, it almost like glossed over very smoothly, if you think about it, and it was still there. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's in the background. It's, it's yeah, like it a, uh, it's a background panel, you know, it's there, you see it, you talk about it for a little bit, and then you get back to your main story. There wasn't a whole lot that personally I didn't like about it. What I loved about it, I loved how it was very self-aware of itself and the internet fan base in the real world. So I think uh, also that last episode and how she basically smashed her way into Mm -hmm. reality. And went through the Disney Plus screen. Because I'm watching it and it just goes to that. I'm like. I'm not even holding my remote. What happened? I know that kind of freaked me out a little too. And it was done really well. Let's just go ahead and talk about this last episode as we're getting here towards the end of our episode, because that is an episode that's going to be talked about forever. In my opinion. Yeah. um, And like how, like I love the, I love the whole thing. Like the real writing team was there. The real secretary into Kevin Fage's office was there. You know, I loved every bit of it. I did it was too. Brilliant. It was a lot of fun, and I really thought he was going to be in this. I I was just kind of like, oh wow, 
that's okay. Well, wait, that actually makes more sense how he's able to do all these things. Yeah. And and here we're getting a lot of complaints from like sets that he's spread too thin. So, you and, know, that was a good contrast. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I believe it too with everything yeah. he's a, a part of as far as Marvel. It's, you know, he's trying to do all these things. You know, he's going to be spread thin. Now, the thing is, do you think it was too much? Because she, she's obviously direct. Okay. Man, I just thought about this. Okay, she when she's breaking the fourth wall throughout the series, she's talking to us. What if she's not talking to us? What if she's talking to Kevin? Wow, that's a like. What is she talk? What if she's talking to the writing team? And this entire time, she's never been talking to us. That's a fun twist, actually. I that just hit me actually. So thank you. Wow, that's, that's yeah. I've never thought about it until just now. Because it would make a ton of sense. Like, why would she take these steps that she went through in that last episode if she was talking to us? Yeah, that's that's absolute genius. I mean, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, that is absolute genius. I, I, I never even considered it that way. Wow, that's. Yeah, that's definitely something I, I hope they uh I mean I, I kinda hope they play more on that later for the next season. Yeah, yeah. Well think about it and, and this and it makes more sense when you think about this, and this is a good segue for something I want to bring up. Think about the end of Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. He's never talking to us. Yeah, you're He's right. He's talking to Cullen Bunn in them. Hmm. That is an brilliant point. Yeah, I definitely want to see where they go with this. Here, here's here's how I was going to segue to that. This is definitely how you bring Deadpool and maybe any of the Fox characters they want to bring back over into the MCU. Just the way this episode ended. Because if she can do it, and we know Deadpool bring, breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, and also with the announcement for the new Deadpool movie, I and it's supposed to be MCU canon, we have to figure out how we cross that wall and cross that line to get here. So we could see something like that in the movie. And 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 as much as there's been so much talk about they're not going to bring Logan back, it'll be a variant, not with the way this series in, because there's that shows there is nothing stopping Deadpool from going and preventing Wolverine from dying. Yeah. The question is, does this is this a new longer lasting contract or is this just a one off? Uh, who knows? I think he's going to be around if we're talking about Ryan Wilson. Oh, or you're talking about Hugh Jackman, aren't you? Yeah, I think nah, with, I think, uh, I think Ryan Reynolds, done. I think he'll definitely be here. He's not going to let this just disappear. No, he'll definitely put in more movies with Jackman. I would love to see him do more like. I definitely think we're going to get him in Secret Wars. I definitely think somewhere, somehow. 
I think we are too. He will come back for that. He's just got to fight a Hulk. That's all I need. I, I think it's only fair that you let Hugh Jackman fight the Hulk. I need two things. I need that and a fastball special. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and well, Colossus is in both the Deadpool movies, so that makes a lot of sense. That's all I want. I mean, getting to see it with X3, as bad as that movie was, that was fun. And seeing it like in like a live action moment, it would be perfect. All right. So I've got two questions lined up here for the show. And one of them really has to do with what we're talking about. And one of them, I think, actually has been answered in this episode. So my question is, with She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall, and, and this actually makes it more powerful that if she's actually talking to the writing team and Kevin instead of us. Does that make her more powerful than the Infinity Gauntlet? Because uh, think about it. She can actually go change a storyline. Not just, I mean, she can change a storyline. She doesn't have to alter reality with a MacGuffin. She can go anytime she wants and just change things. So, I'm not going to lie. I like the idea. I think it's a really neat way to, like, change something if, like, they don't like how it played out. Almost like, you know, Hella walking through Odin's vault and like, oh, the Infinity Gauntlet, fake. You yeah. know, it's, their, it's something they can use to fix something later that didn't work out just right it is but i worry though that you're gonna have like this really big moment that marvel really did in one of the older movies and that they could just go back and just undo it or change something and like iron man coming back in kane dynasty and secret wars yeah something along that you know you could almost like cheapen it so it kind of one of those things that like makes me worry. Like, for instance, if they were to use her to go back and grab, oh, well, I'm just going to jump through this screen and, you know, we're going to cut down to a couple movies. Oh, look, we're going to go through. We're going to grab Captain America. Well, he's back in time and grab him for one more mission. And it's like, don't get me wrong. That could work. But I think we need something more than just like, She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I agree, because, I mean, based on what we've seen, and and if you think about it, man, the possibilities could actually, like, cheapen things in that way, because what just stops her from going and stopping Sylvie from killing uh, he who knows it all or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah. um, You know, this really just dawned on me. So with She-Hulk just jumping in through different panels, this could be something really stupid but really funny, where it just shows her, and it's like, what? Oh, man, I'm in the wrong show. I gotta go. And you just see her leave, and like that's her way of her jumping through panels to get to different TV shows. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it, she just made it quite possible to do such a thing. Yeah, and... Now, honestly, with that thought, if they did that with her, what are they going to do with Deadpool? You know, 
Exactly. Yeah. How is that, Deadpool that's kind of what one up me. that other than making his fourth wall and like Fox Dimension jokes of like, okay, so how does how is Ryan Reynolds gonna one up this? Well, this is where this is where the riders become more powerful than She Hulk and the Infinity Gauntlet when they pull the Bugs Bunny thing with the eraser. Kind of like with Kevin saying we're beefing up security and you'll never find me again. Yeah, pretty much. So do you think she's more powerful than Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet? I mean, just based on what we just seen her do in the last episode? I mean, in a roundabout way, kind of. Unless Thanos is able to strike first. Yeah, but here's the thing. Knowing she's aware of... she Now she's aware she's in a TV show. Would it even, anything even work on her? That's it. Man, that's Think of a it. question. It's, she just made the Matrix in the MCU. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, that's what she kind of did. They are in the Matrix. The MCU is there in the Matrix. And there's someone on the outside controlling it all. So if she told people, do you think they'd believe her? Or do you think they would think she's nuts? Daredevil would have to believe her, right? Yeah. And radar the, sense, I mean, and the craziest thing is with everything they'd seen, how could it not be believable? Right? You have a talking tree and a talking raccoon who is yeah. very angry and upset that when someone calls him a raccoon, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have a guy who t- turns and well, look at her. I mean, she turns into a giant green giantess, basically, you yeah. know, a giant so. green model. So uh, the other question I have, but I think we've just answered it, is uh, where did Madison get her powers from? That's the one thing everybody's talking about. But now that we're getting Mephisto, that was makes my sense. thought. That's kind yeah. of one of those things I've been sitting on this for the entire episode. Mm-hmm. So, I really think, uh, I guess when, I'm curious, what did she trade? Because, you know, she talks about she made a deal with a demon. But I don't really remember what it was for. Uh, well, it gave her powers to survive, and then they dumped her off in Wong's place. That's what yeah. makes me think it's Mephisto, because why would she get dumped there of all places? Yeah, I think, uh, I really think it, I think this is like the perfect little way to like slowly bring back that Mephisto talk to like getting it into just kind of l- sprinkling these little Easter eggs for fans. Yeah. You know, you know, and when I think about it, you know, I guess making Mephisto the person who created the hood makes more sense because remember Darmamu cannot touch Earth based on his deal with Doctor Strange. Yeah, but what would really stop Darmamu from like breaking that deal though? Nothing if he's aware that the infinity got stones are gone. Yeah. So and he's aware the time stone isn't there anymore. You which think, I mean you think so. Honestly, it. Yeah, I, I still think you could bring back the gauntlet because you know it was reduced to atoms. So well, if with the if right Hickman, scientific know how. Well, if Hickman taught us anything, they're never really destroyed. Right. So, I think we could get it back. And also, speaking of Hickman, we could see multiple gauntlets. 
like with the Council of Reeds. Mm-hmm. They just don't work in a, in, in in the six one six universe. Correct. Unless so. somehow one of them has a way to like plant themselves in both universes. All right. Final question as we wrap this episode up. What the fuck was this scar that we seen? <sighs> Man. Like, that was uh, that was the real abomination of this series. Hashtag not my scar. Oh my god! Talk about leaving a scar, man. It's like I had heard the rumors that we're getting it, and I thought I was like, okay, I'm, you know, like, and then there's a, oh, we're just save it for the movie or whatever, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, we're. Maybe he's going to show up for World War Hulk. And then he's like, oh, I, uh, this is my son. And it was like, how old is he? Well, well, see, at first, that's what I thought. Like, how old is he? But if you remember, because he's been gone uh, six years ago, he kind of referenced time-wise. Like, you know, it was like six years ago or whatever. But if you think about the comic book, he's even younger when he meets yeah. the Hulk. But even though he's aged to the appropriate age of like like 12, 13, 14. So, I mean, he ages very rapidly. And obviously, so does his intelligence. So, you would figured he has the uh, Osborne twins, Gabriel and uh, Stacy thing. Where basically, they're going to rapidly age so much that they're going to die soon. But I think it was just very wasted potential because the Hulk left. We knew he was going back to Sakaar. And I'm like, we're never going to get World War Hulk on planet Earth. We're going to get World War Hulk on Sakaar. And we're going to actually get the planet Hulk story that way. Like a legit one. He's going to go there. You know, the Red King's uprising has taken over where the, um, the Game Master has lost control. And we're actually going to get a legit planet Hulk. That'll probably turn the War Hulk there. No. They ruined it. Worst thing about this whole series. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully She-Hulk will fix that. I, well, if she wouldn't have fixed it for going to talk to Kevin, they would have saved it for the movie, but nope. Well, that was afterwards. You gotta think that was afterwards. Well. Here's my question, though. If he did just we're going to go with that original ending just for like a quick second. If Hulk is there, where's Scar at at that time? Because it's not like he just flew to flew to there to grab him and then flew back and then, oh yeah, just like, is he just hanging out in the ship? Was like, hey, I got to go save my cousin real quick. I'll be right back. Just sit here and don't touch nothing. Maybe that's what it was. I mean, that's actually a really good point. But remember, she erased everything. Yeah. So, I mean, she changed it all. So, so assumingly, if you're going to go with that, I guess you could say he Banner was on the way back. Yeah, and So pretty much. Because you see the ship in the first episode, which my question was, who was in the ship at that point? Yeah, no joke, right? Yeah, I mean, was it Shaira? And, you know, maybe uh, we could actually, if going with the semi-rapid aging, you could possibly see Scar age up until something more appropriate. And just quick question for it. 
Did this happen during like Thor Ragnarok when the whole yeah was... yeah he had to have so he was going to Pound Town on some probably random girl in the audience. He had he had and, his own ring rats for you know to use a wrestling term. Yeah, I mean and, I'm sure he did. And so I wonder how her reaction was from like Hulk at that point to like. And we don't even know if is it was this his first time going back or has Banner been going back numerous times through the aspect of Infinity War going forward? No, I think it's his first time back. I think otherwise he would have known he had a child. Yeah. Because I think the same origins there and him having the old power scar is still there because I know a lot of people have been making fun of his hair. Yeah, but, that was uh, that rough to look at. It, it is, you know, because it's got that Tibetan monk look. But that would really fit the people who use the old power, their race. I forget what they're called right now. But that kind of would fit their hairstyle because they all had that hairstyle that had the big, like, V that come down to the uh, forehead. And then, yeah. you know, it waved off where it looked almost looked like an M and it always come in a ponytail. But if you wanted to modernize that, that hairstyle works. Yeah, that's uh, I just I really want to see what they do with him now. That, that he's there, you know the. Well, the he's going to be a young. He's going to be a young Avenger. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's got to be. Hey, unless they just make him. Well, hopefully they don't make him Hulkling, but because uh, Hulkling is you know technically like a scroll, but right. I ain't. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, they're they're really bringing in younger versions of every character, is what they're doing, and he would be your younger version of the Hulk. I've been hearing a lot of fans are, you know, talking about with the Young Avengers, they really think we're going to get Children's Crusade, which, if I'm not mistaken, still ties in with Doctor Doom and the Scarlet Witch. Yes, it does. Yeah, which so. Scarlet Witch isn't dead, obviously. You know, they're never they're never dead unless you see a body. That's very true. Um, so as we wrap this up, where does this rank amongst your MCU shows on Disney Plus? Uh, ooh, this is tough. Uh, Because me, I put it in about the middle. I don't think it's Hawkeye, because Hawkeye's the best. It's not Loki, it's not Winter Soldier and Falcon, it's not Moon Knight. But I do think it's better than WandaVision, What If, and uh, Miss Marvel. I think it was better than, uh, yeah, I'd say you're probably right, probably around the half. I think just, you know, my own, own little personal gripe was that we didn't get enough, like, fighting. You know, we got a little bit, but... It was, uh, it wasn't enough to actually get a gauge of what she hope can do. Nah, it didn't bother, that didn't bother me at all. So, uh, any final thought, thoughts before we wrap it up? Overall, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I think some of these Marvel shows have been a little hit, little miss, but I think that they are moving in the right direction, and I want to see what they do next. Well. Secret Invasion is next, and I guess we will find out how far... Hey, there's your Hulkling right there. 
and see Green Vision. So, but we're going to wrap up this episode of Marvel Universe Discussions. You can check us out on Twitter over at MU Discussions, and you can check us out on The Villains of Man wherever you find them on social media. I'm JVD. You can follow me on Twitter at JVD of TVD. And I am Hawk the Horrible. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk the Horrible. If you like our music, check out tabletopaudio.com. They got music for all of your nerdy needs. But remember, support your favorite podcast. Support your local comic book shops and keep reading comics, guys. Mm-hmm.